Blog Talk Radio. The following program is a production of Jane Zill Community Radio, Inc. You are tuned in to the worldwide headquarters of the most unlikely and extraordinary programs ever broadcast from Janesville, Wisconsin. Due to contractual terms and to impart immunity to our corporate partners, volunteers, and friends from any notions of liability, responsibility, or culpability, please note sentiments and opinions expressed may not necessarily be those of Janesville Community Radio, Inc., program hosts, underwriters, or their collaborators. It's winter in Wisconsin, and Snow Removal of Janesville is here to handle all of your snow removal needs. Official snow remover of Janesville Community Radio and my office, JBL. Superior customer satisfaction is Lauren Harrion's top priority. Utilizing his plow truck and snow blower, Lauren will make sure that your driveway and sidewalk is fully taken care of. 
And when snow melts, during the planting season, Lauren will use his John Deere tractor and pull behind Agrifab Tiller to break up virgin soils easily. Utilizing his Ryan aerator, Lauren can pull 3-4 to four inch plugs to promote oxygen and strong grass root growth. Employing his finishing mower allows Lauren to mow your lawn consistently. Allow Lauren and snow removal of Janesville to help in achieving all of your snow removal, lawn care, and planting needs. Now accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. Find Lauren online at www.snowremovalofjanesville.com or call today for a free snow removal, lawn care, or tilling estimate, 608-921-5756. Are you looking for diversity in Janesville? You just found it. Tune in to Janesville Community Radio for new podcasts daily. Featuring a variety of local voices speaking on subjects. As diverse as arts, education, religion, politics, self-improvement, business, community development. And we even have an all-Spanish-language podcast. Go to www.jamesvillecommunityradio.com to find links to all our programs. Are you a small business owner working out of your home? My Office JVL can provide office space to bring a more professional setting to your next meeting. Fully furnished offices are available by the hour, day, week, or month. Staffed reception area, copy and fax services, and conference room are also available. Conveniently located at 321 East Milwaukee Street in downtown Janesville. Check out www.myoffice-jvl.com. Looking for an opportunity to volunteer in our community? How about volunteering with Janesville Community Radio? Just go to our website. Click on the tab. Volunteer. There, fill out a brief form telling us what your interests and area of expertise are. And we'll be in contact with you shortly. Oh, and one more thing. We need money. To be at 103.5 FM in June of 2015, we need to raise money for a radio tower, transmitter, and studio equipment. Be part of bringing the community radio to Janesville by contributing $10.35 or any amount that you choose to 103.5 FM by going to www.janesvillecommunityradio.com slash donate. Thanks.
have God's wrath poured out. I mean, he knows that's coming. Mm-hmm. And there's that human side of him that you know, that's basically saying, okay, <laughs> is there any other way here that, mm-hmm. that we can do this? But then knowing that there isn't and submitting to the will of the Father. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a, a lower point for him. Your three closest friends and you, you ask him to pray with you and you go a little farther on and you and you're under such anguish that literally it says that he was to the point of death and he comes back and finds him sleeping. Yeah. And that's got to just feel like, again, just totally abandoned. Yep. And that's that is um, a constant theme during that night and the next day, mm-hmm. and on the cross, this constant abandonment to where when he's on the cross and he cries out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, even though I don't think God actually forsook him. And Jesus, knowing full well, you know, this is this is not the end. He knows that he knows that even on the cross. But that mm-hmm. that human side just crying out that way in complete anguish, and uh, just uh, you know, just some amazing things that that he did. But before we get to the cross, let's go back to the arrest and mm-hmm. the kangaroo court. That yeah. Happened. You know, the Bible says that Judas came to the grove guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees, and they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Um, And and I love how the Bible describes that Jesus goes out to meet them. Mm -hmm. He he knows what he has to do. He faces it like a man. And a detachment of soldiers could have been upwards of six, you know, 600 soldiers. Um, And they're bringing torches and lanterns to search for the light of the world. And they bring weapons against the Prince of Peace and just the irony of, of that whole, you know, thing that's going on. But, but Jesus doesn't hide. He doesn't try to escape. He, he's strengthened himself. You know, the angels come and minister him after he cries out to God and he's ready to, to face what is to be faced. And he goes out to meet them. And that's interesting in the, in the midst of that, you know, he asked them, who are you looking for? And he said, Jesus and Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And boom, they fell over like dead men. Yeah, and I, and I think what's going on there is possibly two things. One is they've heard all the stories. They've seen some of the miracles. I mean, this is the God-man. This is this superhero, and they've got 600 guys for a reason. They are expecting this to be this huge battle of how are we going to capture this guy. And I think part of it could have been that, that when he says, I am he, that they're so afraid that they all fall down. But what I really think is going on is he says, I am. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, the Old Testament, you know, the name for God that I am. It's that power of God going out from him mm-hmm. and literally knocking them, you know, over. And used consistently in the Gospel of John, uh, as Jesus talks about himself, I am the way and the truth and the gate uh, and other things. So we've got this guy, Judas. You know, Judas is... Um, it's interesting, you know. I've I've seen uh, articles and posts about Judas. If uh, we were to look at the resumes of the the twelve disciples, Judas would be the only one hired today. <laughs> um, you know, makes you wonder uh, about our our uh, our society uh, with that thinking. But Judas was not from Galilee, I don't think. I think he was from Judea. So it's interesting that he's even in the mixture. He's his his uh, title is Iscariot, so that means he was a zealot, 
and uh, had even more political hopes laid on Jesus than uh, some of the other uh, disciples did. But then he discovered that uh, Jesus was not going to do what Judas wanted him to do. And, uh, and he agrees to betray the light of the world for 30 pieces of silver. Now, that probably was a lot of money at the time. But how could you betray someone that you had lived with, worked with, watched do miracles, all that, for three years? And end up betraying him, and betraying him with a sign of love, yeah. of friendship, but betraying him with a kiss. That, and yet, you know what? Aren't we there? Yeah. Sometimes, we we will betray loved ones. We will betray Jesus. Maybe not with a kiss, but in other ways. What I also think is interesting going on there is that is that uh, the Bible says that. That he said, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. And, and it says that this happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. That even while he's being taken captive, he's still issuing orders because mm-hmm. he's the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that he still cares about his followers and uh, wants to make sure that they're safe before he's going to turn himself you know, over to them. And they do. They let him. I mean, think that through. Yeah. Why would they have let him go? Especially then, you, you know, you got Peter who... Yeah, he freaks out and cuts the guy's ear off. Yep, and and then Jesus rebukes Peter again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like that was uh, half of Peter's life. Uh, he was being uh, told, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're you're brash, you're emotional, you need mm-hmm. to just stop and think about this, because uh, Jesus, you know, basically said, if I wanted to do it this way, I could have had ten thousand angels doing battle for me and. Mm-hmm. You know, we would win easily. Yeah, and but, when you learn in the Old Testament that one angel destroyed 185,000 of a of a opposing yeah. army, so you, you do the math, yeah. you got 10,000 angels and they're equal to 185,000 people. That's yeah. you know, I, I think Jesus is probably not too worried at this point that if he wanted to, he could. But yeah. again, showing that he is willingly doing this, and you know, it always bothered me the whole Peter cutting off the guy's ear. I'm, I'm thinking this through as a teenager. As I'm reading this, and it's like. Okay, I'm going to defend Jesus, and so I'm going to oh, take that. I'm going to cut off your ear. I mean, it just seems so unmanly and, and that. But what I really think is going on is he was so angry that he was going to cut the guy's head off. Yeah. And as he sees the sword blow coming, the guy, you know, turns his head and just catches the ear. And more than likely, Malchus was not armed. He mm-hmm. was the servant of the high priest. He yeah. was like maybe the the leader of the bunch, but I doubt mm-hmm. that he was armed yeah. as the soldiers were. So. You know, it's sort of a, you know, almost a cowardly thing that Peter is doing mm-hmm. to attack an unarmed man, thinking somehow, well, maybe he was thinking, take out the leader and we'll we'll get it covered. But if it were me, I'd be going for Judas. Yeah, yeah, you'd <laughs> you know? be, yeah. I mean, because yeah, the man betrayal. betrayed not only Jesus but the rest of us, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but uh, and then you're Malchus. You, you you come for this, and all of a sudden. In just an instant, your day has just turned, your night has just turned really bad. And, and you're holding your hand up to your and blood is, is flowing out. And you're in shock. And Jesus rebukes Peter. And then Jesus heals, whether, you know, he takes the ear and, and heals him and pulls his hand away. And I mean, imagine, again, throwing yourself into the story. 
to feel the healing power of this open wound that is just screaming out in pain. And then all of a sudden, there's probably this warmth and then there's nothing and you feel fully healed. Mm-hmm. And I bet you anything that was it for Malchus, that he had he had, had enough of this. I mean, how do you continue to take part in this yeah. when he does this incredible act for you? See, that's one of the interesting things of the Bible. Often we don't know the rest of the story of individuals. And the, I think the reason for that is Jesus is the story, the focal point of the story, and we are not to get our eyes off of him. Well, we can conjecture all we want to, and sometimes you know, uh, church tradition helps us with some of those uh, people. But you know, for instance, like Zacchaeus, whatever became of Zacchaeus, whatever became of of Malchus, whatever became of some of the others, uh, even most of the disciples, the twelve apostles, we don't know. Uh, from the Bible, what happened to to most of them, uh, and what untimely deaths they suffered, all that information comes from church tradition. Um, but but the the point is, even like with the Apostle Paul, it's all about pointing people to Jesus, um, and that's that's crucial to the to our discussion, I think. Um, it's not about me, and that is so countercultural to the, the American way. And unfortunately, has infiltrated the church in, in a lot of ways. That you know, I I choose to go to this church, and uh, I choose to do what I want to do. And if for some reason I'm not getting the strokes that I want from this church, or I get uh, somebody makes you know says something that offends me. I'm going somewhere else, mm-hmm. and you know that that become that's just all about me. And we we need to be aware that it's not all about me. Why would it, it's not as strong of a betrayal? But in a sense, I think it is. If you're you've developed a relationship with the church over so many years, and then you get your feelings hurt and you leave, it's at least somewhat of a betrayal of of a relationship that you've had with this church for so many years and all mm-hmm. the people. That's just hard to deal with at times. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I've I've digressed some. <laughs> and we need to take another break. My my producer has given me the signals to time out and so Bob, if you wanna take us to another I don't know, what do we call those uh um we, call, we'll pay, we pay the bills and we talk about uh, things like uh, just different ads we have. So go ahead, Bob. You are listening to Janesville Community Radio and Being Christ in the City with Ray Jewell. Ray's guest tonight, Michael Powers from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. And with that, we're going to go to a couple of uh, must-plays for the Janesville Community Radio Project. Uh, if you can get through this, uh, if you can get through this advertisement for the first uh, ten seconds, it talks about snow, but then it will talk about summertime. It's winter in Wisconsin, and Snow Removal of Janesville is here to handle all of your snow removal needs. Official snow remover of Janesville Community Radio and my office, JBL. Superior customer satisfaction is Lauren Harrion's top priority. Utilizing his plow truck and snow blower, 
Lauren will make sure that your driveway and sidewalk is fully taken care of. And when snow melts during the planting season, Lauren will use his John Deere tractor and pull behind Agrifab Tiller to break up virgin soils easily. Utilizing his Ryan aerator, Lauren can pull 3-4 to four inch plugs to promote oxygen and strong grass root growth. Employing his finishing mower allows Lauren to mow your lawn consistently. Allow Lauren and snow removal of Janesville to help in achieving all of your snow removal, lawn care and planting needs. Now accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover and American Express. Find Lauren online at www.snowremovalofjanesville.com or call today for a free snow removal, lawn care or tilling estimate 608-921-5756. Are you looking for diversity in Janesville? You just found it. Tune in to Janesville Community Radio for new podcasts daily. Featuring a variety of local voices speaking on subjects. As diverse as arts, education, religion, politics, self-improvement, business, community development. And we even have an all-Spanish language podcast. Go to www.janesvillecommunityradio.com to find links to all our programs. Are you a small business owner working out of your home? My Office JVL can provide office space to bring a more professional setting to your next meeting. Fully furnished offices are available by the hour, day, week, or month. Staffed reception area, copy and fax services, and conference room are also available. Conveniently located at 321 East Milwaukee Street in downtown Janesville. Check out www.myoffice-jvl.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Janesville Community Radio. This is Christ Being Christ in the City with Ray Jewell. Ray Jewell's guest tonight is Michael Powers uh, from the Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. We are at 321 East Milwaukee Street in downtown, the aforementioned downtown Janesville, Wisconsin. We apparently had... Uh, some technical problems at the beginning of the show uh, because somebody uh, left a plug unplugged and didn't put it back in the studio, and that's like a big deal in radio world. Little Daddy-O, the producer tonight, uh, discovered that uh, a little bit late, but we're going to do a couple things that uh, were played at the, in that time frame uh, that probably didn't get on the air. So uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll catch up with what we missed. The following program is a production of Janesville Community Radio, Inc. You are tuned in to the worldwide headquarters of the most unlikely and extraordinary program ever broadcast from Janesville, Wisconsin. Due to contractual terms and to impart immunity to our corporate partners, volunteers, and friends from any notions of liability, responsibility, or culpability, please note sentiments and opinions expressed may not necessarily be those of Janesville Community Radio, Inc., program hosts, underwriters, or their collaborators. Uh-oh, where'd you go, Sherry? Come on, Sherry, come on, come on, come on. It's funny because in the queue, it's alphabetically by her first name, um, Sherry, <laughs> instead of Norcoy. Richard. Richard. 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe just take it up through. Live at the home studio at 321 East 
Milwaukee Street in downtown Janesville, Wisconsin. Tonight's show, Being Christ in the City with Ray Joel. Ray's guest tonight, Michael Powers from the Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. We did lose a little bit of the first part of the show due to some technical problems. We are trying to recoup all or recoup some of that and uh, do a few redos. Uh, but we are live and on the air now. So with that, live, back to Ray Jewel. Okay, thanks, Bob. And that, you want to plug the song again sure. for Sherry? That was Redeemed that we just heard by Sherry Norquay off her Remnant album. And uh, she is offering that free this week as a free download. And it's on ReverbNation.com. And uh, I happen to know that Sherry is in the works on a second album. Okay. Coming up soon. Sounds great. So we're not sure where we lost our our uh, stuff at, but just a real quick recap of where we've been. We started basically in order to tell the story of Jesus. You got to start at the beginning with the creation of the world, and then you had sin come into that uh, situation. But then the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament, uh, is basically pointing to the coming one, the Messiah, is to come into the world to redeem it, to save it. Uh, and that uh, is seen in the Old Testament in the sacrificial system. It's seen in certain people's lives. They were sort of a, a prototype of, of Jesus. Um, different people would be. Uh, even there were some different uh, uh, Christ appearances, so to speak, like Daniel uh, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fourth man. Uh, many scholars would say that was that was Jesus, uh, but uh, uh, the prophecies about the the one who's coming and just the law and everything all points to a need for someone to save, and that someone is definitely coming to do that. Someone from God, God's chosen one, uh, the Messiah. So, uh, so we've been talking about the the Passion Week, the Triumphal Entry into Jerusalem, uh, how the how the crowd and even the disciples uh, a short while later, just later that week, will turn against Jesus or at least desert Jesus. Uh, we've talked about the uh, uh, just the uh, the last night that Jesus had with his disciples, uh, where he instituted the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. He uh, washed the disciples' feet. He taught them about the coming Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know we were just talking uh, before we took the break about uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, how. Jesus is communing with God and pleading that that uh, they would uh, that this cup would be would pass from him, and yet he humbly says, "Not my will, but your will be done." And then we were talking about the actual arrest of Jesus, uh, Judas leading the soldiers to him, and uh, some of the things that uh, that uh, really. You know, just happened that just makes it so counterintuitive for us from a human perspective. Some of the things that that took place, uh, you know, some of it obviously what some of the disciples did was very, very. We can relate to that. You know, Peter is ready to defend Jesus, cuts off a guy's ear, 
but Jesus healed the person and uh, those kinds of things. So what we're going to do, because there's so much information about the crucifixion and resurrection, Mike has agreed to come back next week. In fact, it was his thought as I did to do so because he knows how much material he's got. That's a good thing. But we we just want to spend the rest of our time this evening talking about what happened that night still and overnight uh, with the illegal trial and Jesus before Pilate, before Herod, and the flogging, everything leading up to the actual crucifixion. So... So let's let's pick it up. I mean, we have no idea what time it is. It's it's after dark, and uh, so what happens? Yeah, just kind of picking it up from. It says that in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, "Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled." And then it says, "All the disciples deserted him." And fled again, getting back to that idea that um, they're all deserting him. Now, the youth pastor in me, um, there's a verse that we don't usually talk about in the whole in this whole uh, Easter story, but it's Mark 14:50, 50, and it says this: Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And you know, when I'm teaching youth, and you always have people say, "Oh, the Bible's boring," and it's like, man. The Bible is not boring. I mean, let's think this through. You've got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to the point of death. He's under so much anguish that he's literally sweating drops of blood. And then you've got him going out to meet these people. There are 600 soldiers coming out, and, and they are nervous about you know arresting him. And he says, I am he, and all of them are knocked to the ground. And then you've got Jesus being betrayed with a kiss. And then Peter gets angry and pulls out his sword and tries to cut a guy's head off and only cuts off his ear. And, and Jesus picks up this ear and puts it back on the guy and heals him. And then you've got a guy with a bad case of nudity just running randomly through the Garden of Eden. It's just like, what is going right. on? And you, and you know, the identity of that person, at least some scholars have uh, theorized that that was John Mark or Mark, the uh, author of one of the Gospels, because you know, I mean, it's obviously first-hand information that we have mm-hmm. here. Uh, so he's writing about himself. I mean, he's not going to embarrass himself, but mm-hmm. it, it makes sense to think that this could very well be. I mean, he was he was a known associate of disciples. Probably the house where the upper room was his home. Uh, his mother was a was a follower of Jesus, and uh, you know they they're seen in his mom's home often after you know when the Book of Acts gets started up and stuff. So, uh, and he's also known to be the person that would have maybe written things from Peter's perspective. So. That that all fits into that situation, but it like I say, it's human drama. Yeah. It's not boring stuff. Yeah. Even the letters that some people want to say is boring. No, you read between the lines. Mm-hmm. There's stuff going on that he has to deal with. This is not just coming off the cuff. It's in reaction to people's needs and and their situations and stuff. So anyway. Yeah, so they they tie him up or chain him up, and everybody 
leaves and they start to lead him away. And now you can just imagine the soldiers getting a lot braver mm-hmm. because here's this God man that has all these superpowers and boy, we've, we've got him under control. And that's probably where a lot of the abuse starts where they mm-hmm. start to mock him and, and to hit him and to beat him. Um, just imagine that walk, you know, from the garden of Gethsemane down through the valley and, and into the city um, where it says the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. And just think of that, too, of, of, you know, the God of truth, and it's just people just coming and outwardly lying. You know, in our world, I can't imagine something that would hurt a person more than if you were on trial and to have somebody who knows that they're lying and is just going to come and just bear false witness and try, you know, and, and try and mess with you. Um, and then you take that times a billion, you've got the God of the universe mm-hmm. where they have nothing on him. And yet the same creation of God that, that he is going through all this for so that they would have an opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. And they're going to come up and, and bear false witness against the Lord of truth. And I think that uh, that aspect of it was probably more um, driven by the chief priests, you know, by the Sanhedrin that wanted him dead. Uh, And it took him, from what I see and read there, it was hours in the making Mm -hmm. until they finally got two witnesses to agree because the Jewish law stated you had to have at least two witnesses, not just one person could get somebody condemned. And but then to get these guys to perjure themselves in our culture, you do perjury, you spend time. So there was some, uh, you know, just a willingness on the part of the Jewish leaders to get rid of this guy any way that they could. So they've got, they finally get two people to lie and uh, and tell the same story and. Um, so then the high priest, Caiaphas, comes to that, and he says, so, do you say that you're the son of God? What was Jesus' response? Nothing. Yeah, didn't say Absolutely nothing. Or uh, when when the gospel says something like, well, you, you say that I am, or something like that, and uh, or it's as you say, or uh, however. But the point is, he's, from that point on, He's completely quiet. And Caiaphas's reaction. Yeah, talk about how nervous he's getting because you have this absolute farce of a trial, illegal trial at night. So many things are not being done the way it should be. And they're getting nervous because they realize that unless he admits and or says he's the son of God, they've got nothing on him. and They're going to have to let him go. And all this planning that has gone into this moment to get him here. Um, you know, and again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, you know, the son of the blessed one? And then, you know, the gospels talk, you know, just talk about that. The way I visualize it is, is it's almost like an exasperated, he knows Jesus isn't going to say anything. And he's kind of like this, it's kind of like a few good men with Jack Nicholas and, you know, you can't handle the truth and and Tom Nicholson, Matt Nicholson. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. The golfer probably wasn't there. Um, but that idea that, you, you you just don't think there's no way that they're going to speak against themselves and you kind of throw this last line out. And then that's when Jesus finally says, 
you know, I am. And even there, I mean, Jesus has been saying all along throughout his ministry, my time has not come yet, my time has not come yet. My time. He was in complete control of the timing. Mm-hmm. And here, okay, it's time. It's time to do this. And even though Caiaphas and the others there thought they were in control, Jesus is still in control yeah. of the situation. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah, and really, if Jesus had not said anything, they would have had to let him go. Yeah. And again, showing that, that Jesus was willing to do this, and it was his plan all along. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like close to um, early morning when they finally take and rouse Pilate, the Roman, the Roman uh, uh, purveyor of justice, of Roman law, you know the the procurator of the the province of Judea, the man in charge. They probably roused him out of bed, and Pilate Pilate didn't have a a very good relationship with the Jewish leaders, because mm-hmm. um, he did some things that just were blasphemous to them uh, with the temple desecration of the temple and that sort of thing, and. Uh, so what happened with with that? With well, you know, leading up to that, you've got all these, you know, soldiers and that that again are, are continuing to abuse Jesus and and beating him, blindfolding him, and coming up and hitting them as hard as they can with their fists in his face and saying, "If you're God, prophesy." Who you know, who just hit you? And again, I, I just you know, when you throw yourself into this story, I can't imagine what it would feel like for us to go through, but the God of the universe to have these puny mortals to mock him and, and to spit on him and, and do this. And, and then you've also got, you know, what's going on with Peter, you know, too, with, um, mm-hmm. you know, him denying and, and, and somebody coming up to him and saying, hey, you were with him, you know, kind of an idea. Um, and Peter is warming himself by the fire and the this, this servant the servant girl looks at him and says, "You were with the Nazarene Jesus," and he denies it. Yeah. I don't know what, you don't know or understand what you were talking about. And he, he tries to get away and goes in the entryway, and she sees him out there. And again, something you know, this fellow was one of them, and again he denies it. And then a little later on, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And again, to call down curses and swear to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. And then the Bible says that that's when the rooster crows, and Jesus had already. You know, and think about that too. If Peter had stayed up with Jesus to pray in the garden to strengthen himself, you know how that might have turned out differently. Where Jesus was trying to prepare him, you know, for that. And I think I believe one of the gospels says that at that moment Jesus looks right at Peter. I mean, can you imagine that look? And then Peter goes and weeps bitterly. And you talk about bitterly, of knowing, you know, here's the guy who said it doesn't matter if everybody deserts you, I will never desert you. I will die for you. And not only denies him once or twice, but three times. Well, and then you've got uh, <clears throat> the conspiracy whole case, Judas. In the story of Judas, you know, he finally realizes that he's condemned an innocent man. He takes the thirty pieces of silver, throws it back at the mm-hmm. at the high priest, and you know, hey, we don't care. I mean, what 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 the what matter? What, why does that even matter in the grand scheme of things? We've got this guy where we want him now, so we don't mm-hmm. care what your thinking is. We're certainly not going to let him go, and and he goes and hangs himself. Yeah. See, a sidebar of that. Paul talks about godly sorrow 
and worldly sorrow. I've used Judas as an example of worldly sorrow and Peter as an example of godly sorrow. You know, Judas went to the ultimate extreme to express his sorrow by committing suicide. He went and hanged himself. Peter was was remorseful. He cried bitterly, and yet he didn't take his life. He allowed, I mean, you know, he didn't know what to do, but when he heard about the resurrection, he comes back, mm-hmm. and Jesus reinstates him. We'll get into that more next week, but but that that I just wanted to point out the difference between how those two men reacted to what they had done. Mm-hmm. See, there's there's really no nothing that we can do that's outside of the grace of God and God's forgiveness, mm-hmm. and that's uh, uh, you know people struggle with. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, who is? Yeah. Well, nobody's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a matter of of God's grace and accepting what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Okay, so uh, we've got an illegal trial. You know, uh, first of all, it was that night uh, that was not something in Jewish law. Second of all. You only have the uh, members of the Sanhedrin who are Sadducees, and that would be the chief priests, uh, the high priest and, and his family were probably the chief priests, the ones that were associated more with the temple. Pharisees, for instance, Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin. Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. They were not at this kangaroo court, and uh, that's... That's just something that that was totally wrong, and you know, you know that's how politics work, I guess at yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anything else about the trial that stands out? Yeah, that, uh, the interesting part too is when they go and they take him to Pilate. You know, the Bible says, "But now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the pass because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover." So, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know, they're avoiding defilement while bringing about the death of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they are worried about being ceremonially unclean to go, you know, in, enter the house of, of an unclean person um, so they can eat the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, again, showing you this, you know, where Jesus said that you whitewash sepulchers, that, you know, inside, mm-hmm. that, that they were just evil to the core, but on the outside. Um, of how we can detach ourselves and even, you know, be head knowledge Christians and, and the fact that, you know, we can attend a worship service on a Sunday and then go on and, and check off we did the God thing that week and then go and do, you know, horrible things and and live a, a double life. Yeah, and um, that's, you know, that's, that. where, that's, that's where legalism comes from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a head thing and we're, and we're going through the motions and it's not... A head and a heart thing, like it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, it's it, what's interesting about Pilate in this. He knew Jesus was innocent. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, he had his wife come and tell him, "You know, I had this dream about this guy. You better let him go." And, but even without that, he knew. Yeah. He knew that the Jews were setting this guy up 
for a, a huge fall. And yet, for whatever reason, I suspect Satan had something to do with that too, and trying to mollify the Jewish. I mean, he even gave them a choice between Jesus and Barabbas. And Barabbas was a murderer. He was a re- uh, insurrectionist. You know, had had committed crimes against the state. Had killed. Uh, political people and probably some innocent people as well. And, you know, he was on death row. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Pilate, you know, tries, tries to let him go, says, I find no fault in this man. And mm-hmm. the religious leaders, again, being stirred up or not, there's no way that's going to happen. And then... Uh, What's interesting is they then they start insisting that he's stirring up all this, all the people over in Judea by his teaching, and he started in Galilee and has come all the way here. And on hearing this, Pilate asked the man if he was a Galilean. And when he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he tries to wash his hands of it and say, "Oh, oh, it's Herod's. This is Herod's mess. Let's go send him to Herod." And in, and when Jesus is in the presence of Herod, I mean, Jesus did most of his ministry in Galilee. So Herod knew about him, mm-hmm. had heard about him. Uh, and basically in an a attempt, I don't know, I think he was just setting this up in order to mock him. Yeah. He's asking for a miracle. You know, show me what you can do, Jesus. Yeah. Let me see something, and maybe I'll believe in you then. I doubt that he would have believed, even if Jesus had done a miracle. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with he probably, when he heard Jesus was coming, he was being sent to him, he probably got all his friends together and other important people, and was like, yeah, watch this, you're going to see this magic show. This guy, he can do stuff, he can mm-hmm. do miracles. And uh, when Jesus isn't having anything to do with that, Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's embarrassed because he's promised everybody this big show, yeah. and when Jesus doesn't provide it, and uh, yep, and then the Ma- and Herod's an interesting character as it is. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, well, he's the one whole, all up the guy. Herods. Yeah, <laughs> his daddy was not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, but they they begin to mock him. They yeah. they put on these kingly robes and continue to mock him. And then when they're obvious that Jesus isn't going to perform these miracles, they send him back to Pilate. But it's interesting that the Bible says that Pilate and Herod became good friends that yeah. day, whereas before this they had been enemies, yeah. you know, political enemies. But uh, this whole thing just kind of brought them, brought them together somehow. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. But before that happens, he washes his hands of the whole thing, and then mm-hmm. and the crowd says, you know, his blood be on us and on our children. But then uh, the Roman soldiers take Jesus and flog him. Yeah, because Pilate's trying to, again, doesn't want to kill him. So if I just punch him and have him whipped, maybe they'll let him go. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, this is, you know, for, for anybody who's ever seen the Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah. Um, Pretty the, the whipping stuff. scene. Oh, that, yeah. it, it is just, you know, but it's one of those things that you've got this cat of nine tails. You've got pieces of glass and bone and sharp metal, um, you know, put into this. And these guys, I mean, talk about, you know, career day, you know, when you, you have a kid coming to school, my daddy's a policeman and my daddy does this. Well, you know, these, they were, they were trained 
torturers. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they did nine to five, six days a week, and they were really good at it. And they would have stripped Jesus naked and would have tied him to this pole, and they just would have went at him with that. And, and you know, the Bible doesn't hold back. And and, and obviously the, the Passion of the Christ movie, it's one of the most brutal scenes you'll ever see in your life. But it's one of those scenes that if I'm thinking about willfully sinning and I bring that scene up in my mind and you think the horrible price that Jesus paid and I'm going to go and do something that I know is wrong and think back to that horrible payment that he had. But, I mean, literally would have ripped his flesh Mm -hmm. off. You know, ribs probably would have been showing. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, most people would have died from that beating alone. And to top it off, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head, the mockery, you know, the the the, the royal robe that they put on him, uh, just doing everything to ridicule the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. You say the crown of thorns put on his head or placed on his head. I think I've heard they jammed it on his head. Oh yeah, yeah. took the staff and beat him over the head with it. We used to live um, in DeKalb by a place where there was a tree with big thorns on it. And that's what it used to remind you of mm-hmm. while they were wicked. And even the thorns themselves. I mean, it, you go all again back to Genesis, that, that the thorns were a curse. Mm-hmm. And it, there's no coincidence here that God is taking that symbol of the curse. And that's the mockery of the crown is that sinful thorn curse that's placed on his head. Uh, and the thorns themselves would have, you know, most likely would have been the date palm sometimes 12 inches long that would have been used for kindling and there would have been buckets of them around because that's what they would have used to start the fires in the courtyard. Um, but but again, I'm with you that, Ray, is that the mockery. I, I mean, in the spitting, let me just put it this way. I'm not saying I could, I'm a pretty much of a wimp anyways, but I, I don't know how much of the pain I could have taken. But if I'm Jesus and somebody's going to spit in my face, when I was about 11 years old, we're living in the suburbs of Chicago and I was walking across this bridge over to the shopping center and I could see there's a group of four teens that were coming across the bridge. And it was just one of those things that I looked at them and I was like, oh boy, you could just see in their eyes that I was in trouble. And with, for absolutely no reason, as they walked up to me, this, this, the, the kid that was you know in front of the rest of them had this big smile on his face, kind of this evil grin. And when I got up close, he just spit right in my face. And to this day, I can remember that it felt warm. I remember the horrible smell. I remember it dripping down my face. But what I remember the most was their mocking laughter as they walked by me. And one of those times where you can just feel your face like on fire because of the embarrassment. And I, I'm just saying that I, if you've never had that happen to you, that's where I would have gone all matrix on them if I was Jesus. And I would have stopped the spittle in midair. And it would have dropped and I would have nuked them all. I mean, <laughs> you know, but there, I, I can't explain the humiliation yeah. that this is the God of the universe and his creation is spitting yeah. in his face. Well, and that's not the most uplifting place <laughs> to leave it. Uh, you know, I mean, there is a good part to this story, but you're going to need to, to tune back in next week as we go through it or show up to church this Sunday and celebrate the resurrection. Uh, And that's, you know, uh, Paul talks about that, the whole concept of resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says in there, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, your faith is, is useless. My, my 
what I do is a lie, what I preach is a lie, and your faith is useless. You're still in your sins. So it's the pivotal part of Christianity. C.H. Dodd described the cross and the resurrection as D-Day, um, which would have been appropriate, you know, because he wrote this soon after World War II. Uh, D-Day was the turning point in war. The battle, the, the war was still on, but the victory had already been won. Mm -hmm. That's what the cross and the resurrection does for those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's, it changes. It's a life it is the life-changing mm -hmm. event in the human history. Mm -hmm. The. Not, nothing even compares to that. Uh, so that's what it's all about. So, so anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. Mike, you got any last comments? Here? Yeah, I would just say this. You know, somebody had asked me the, uh, a couple of weeks ago of how did people become saved before Jesus died on the cross? And it really is that the cross is a central part of history, that those before Jesus came to earth would have been looking forward to the promised redeemer as in Genesis in three and looking forward to what he was going to do on that cross. And they, it was accredited to righteousness to them because of their faith in what was to come. And here we are 2000 years later, we're looking back at the cross, but that is the central, like you'd said, that central moment in this battle and in history um, that it all comes down to the cross and which is why the cross is a stumbling block. You know, that's why you can talk about God in a lot of different situations. But boy, as soon as you name the name of Jesus and you talk about the cross, it, it becomes a whole nother deal. Well, and you need to get to talking about the cross because a lot of people name the name of Jesus, but they don't mean the Jesus of the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we need, I mean, and this is, this is the gospel. This is the good news that our sin is taken care of by God himself on the cross and in the resurrection. And uh, that's what makes us tick, makes us different than the world. You know, in the world, not of the world. That's that's uh, a model, I think, that, that we live by. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this whole program is dedicated to that message. Obviously, we talk about a lot of different areas of life, but we're called to be salt and light. And uh, that's if we're not reflecting Jesus in what we do, then we need to rethink what we do. So anyway, all right. Anything else? Or are we good? No, looking forward to coming back next week. All right, we're looking forward to having you back. We'll have to come up with a T-shirt between now and then that says Mike <laughs> is our first third time guest. <laughs> all right, there you go, Bob. All right, are you are we going to start keeping track like they do on Saturday Night Live with the uh the, the hosts? They'll have like the host uh who's been on, who's been host of the show that many times. You'll be you you'll be in the lead as the uh, returning guest. Uh you've been listening to Christ in the City with Rachel Ray's guest tonight who will be back uh if the, uh if the creek don't rise. Michael Powers from the Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. And we are live at 321 East Milwaukee Street at our home studio at the in the aforementioned Janesville, Wisconsin. And with that, we should... Uh, Annette, is there another favorite Sherry Norquay song that you'd like to go out with, or should I just pick one at random? Oh, pick one, Bob. They're all good. Thank okay, you. Okay, so uh, let's try this one. Uh, Sherry Norquay, who has given us uh, her catalog of music, gospel singer from Nashville, 
in Memphis and all those great music places. Uh, professional singer. But local to Jamesville. But local, yes. Grew up in Judah, I hear. Right over in uh, west of us here in our, uh, Green County. All right, with that, uh, come back next week. Jamesville Community Radio, Being Christ in the City with Rachel. Depend on you, hold me in your